Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 350 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so glad that you are here on this really special episode with Albert Flynn DeSilver. This is one of my favorite episodes that I've done. I found it a total and complete joy to talk to him. Um, We talk about many, many things, but we talk about, as a writer, being enough already not beating ourselves up. We talk about writing, being a mess and being okay with that. We talk about meditation. Uh, We talk about so many beautiful, lovely things. I could have talked to him forever. I know that you are going to enjoy this interview, which is coming up. Let's see what has been going on around here. I am going away tomorrow on a wee little writing retreat, the kind I like to take that I have talked about recently. I am going away for four nights to the coast, about five hours north, and uh, hopefully I'll be cut off. I'm hoping there will be no Wi-Fi. And usually when I go to these things, there's very little cell service. My Kindle is full of books and I'm bringing a stack. I'm bringing my journal. I'm bringing my pen and ink. And that's about it. I'm not counting on getting work done. I don't want to get actual writing work done. I want to get journaling done and reading done and resting and being completely alone. I want to get that done. I want to get that done to the point where I am lonely and itching to come home on the last day, but I don't want that to, I don't want to feel that way until the last day. So I'm hoping that works out. I'm very much looking forward to it. It is something I try to do every three to four months. I don't always get around to it, but when I do Whew, yes, it makes me happy. That's coming up. Um, let's see, another thing that is going to be happening in about two weeks, I will be opening 90 Days to Done and 90 Day Revision. I only offer these masterclasses about two to three times a year. The next session will be starting in May. It'll run May, June, July. They sell out incredibly quickly. If you would like to know about it first, make sure that you are on my writing email list. Just go to rachelherron.com slash write to join and you will be the first to know. You'll be the second to know, honestly, about 90 day revision because 90 day revision is always offered to 90 days to done the current 90 days to done course first. So you'll be the second to know about that, but you'll be the first to know about 90 days to done opening the second to know about 90 day revision and to grab those slots. So that will be coming up soon. What else is going on? Okay. Something really big something really, really, really big. It's not about writing. It's bigger than writing. We got a dog. We got a dog. We got a dog. We have a plan. We had a plan. We had a plan to get an adult female rescue dog and then followed shortly thereafter, after some training and getting used to the house is done to get two kittens. Um, I am allergic to cats, but I can have kittens because their allergens are not all hyped up yet. And I can grow with them. We have established that with kittens that we have rescued in the past. So we wanted to get an adult female dog because that's who we like to rescue and then some kittens. So we have been looking around. We've been talking to a lot of rescues and the shelters and looking everywhere and have not been able to find an adult female dog who needs a home. There's somebody barking outside right now. I don't know who that is. Um, not my dog. 
So we went to the SPCA on the weekend, last weekend. Not, we were not going to look at puppies. We just went to look and then we looked at a puppy and we met this puppy and this puppy was a puppy and so adorable. And Lala and I looked at each other and we thought, absolutely not. Like she basically ate the concrete while we were sitting there. And we said, please, may we look at an adult dog? And I rattled some off because I'd seen them on the website. Can we meet Fig or Lucy or uh, Monkey, any of them? Because you're not allowed to just go up and down the kennels there. It's too upsetting to the dogs. They bring them to you. And the woman just kept saying, no, I'm sorry. She's not available. No, she's not available. And then she said, there's another puppy um, that I could bring you. And we're like, oh, fine. We'll, we'll look at it. We'll look at this five-month-old. And in walked a little brown, brownish, reddish, blackish puppy, five months old, quite short, quite small. She looked like a staffy pit bull mixed with maybe lab, which is actually bad news for me because the only dog I'm allergic to is a chocolate lab. But she walked in and she just launched herself at us and onto the couch and just cuddled, cuddled, cuddled so hard and played so cute. And we took her for a little walk and our hearts were lost. And I rubbed her all over my face and my arms and my body and let her kiss me and trying to get my body to react to see if it would. It did not. We took her home on a seven day trial. It has not even been the seven days yet. And I'm just going to call the shelter after this podcast and tell them, please uh, charge my debit card for the adoption fee because she's ours. You can't have her back. We've gone through about 400 or 500 names and we have landed on <laughs> Professor Junebug because Junebug wasn't, I mean, Junebug is who she is. She's so cute and cuddly and sweet, but she's also very smart. Sometimes people think she is, she's a doctor. Sometimes people think that she has an MD she doesn't, but she did work very hard for her PhD, but we like to call her professor. She prefers that. Professor Junebug, and she is a cuddlebug, snugglebug. She's such a good sleeper. She is a puppy, and one of the chairs in my office has the marks to show it. She would like to chew on everything, and we're constantly keeping her busy with chew toys, frozen things, Kongs, turtles, all of the, all of the things. But if anybody has great ideas on how to occupy a puppy for a long time, I would love to hear it because she gets through all of those in 20 minutes and then she's ready for more. Uh, but she loves walks and she's learning so quickly and we're, you know, she just loves training and she's appears to be totally house trained after one accident, which occurred a minute after we walked in the house. So she was just stressed out, but she has not had another accident, even though they did not, they don't house train at the shelter and she'd probably been there since she left her mother. So Oh, she's wonderful. So that is really what <laughs> is really happening in my life. And when I made this retreat reservation, it was months and months and months ago when I, I always like, I have my next one scheduled for four months time. I, I even offered to Lala to cancel. Like I can cancel. It's still, I have like, you know, a few hours I could still cancel and we decided I shouldn't, but now I'm almost regretting it because Lala is going to be alone with professor Junebug for four nights Junebug won't even know who I am when I come back. She'll be Lala's, Lala will be her favorite, which is normal. Lala is usually the favorite of all of our dog's hearts. So she's wonderful and I'm in love and soon we'll be able to get some kittens because any kitten can train a dog. Um, it's when it works the other way that it is difficult. Sometimes it is difficult to bring 
a rescue dog into a home with full-grown cats. So that's why we're doing it this way. And I'm so excited. Anyway, that's what's going on around here a lot. Uh, I would like to say thank some new patrons uh, to Melissa Williams. I wish for you that something glimmers at you this week, something lovely peeking at you from a shop window or from behind a curtain, something that makes your heart sing as you recognize the thing for the beauty it holds that maybe no one else sees but you. And to Charlotte, new patron, I wish for you the joy of seeing a shape in a cloud, a soprano singing an aria, pointing to the dragon at her feet, and having your beloved see them too. And to Rukma Sen, I wish for you the satisfaction of feeling that everything you say and everything you write this week will be perfectly understood. And not only that, it will be appreciated for everything you hoped it would be. Thank you to all of my patrons. I wish all of these things for my patrons. Please take those wishes as your own as well. Thank you for supporting the work that I do here and the essays that I write. It means so much to me. Now let us jump into the interview with Albert. Here is his bio. Albert Flynn de Silver is an American poet, memoirist, novelist, speaker, and workshop leader. He's the author of several books of poems, the memoir Beamish Boy, and Writing as a Path to Awakening which is a book I love. Albert received an MFA in photography, new genres from the San Francisco Art Institute. He worked as a California poet in the schools for many years and served as poet laureate of Marin County, California from 2008 to 2010. He has shared the stage and presented with U.S. poet laureate Kay Ryan, bestselling authors Maxine Hong Kingston, Cheryl Strayed, Elizabeth Gilbert, and many others. He is also a meditation teacher at Spirit Rock and speaks at writing conferences nationally. Please enjoy this fantastic, beautiful, moving, inspiring interview with Albert. Here we go. Happy writing, my friends. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. All right. Well, I'm so pleased to welcome to the show. Would you please share your name with us and your pronouns? Yeah, Albert Flynn de Silver. He, him. And everyone listening, it was very hard to push the record button because we're already talking so much. Um, <laughs> so, but but uh, as we get into this, I might hit some of the normal questions or we might just wander all over your book, which I love so much, which is called Writing as a Path to Awakening. And I have to tell you, when did that book come out? 2017. 2017. I probably picked it up in about 2019 or 2020. And it was one of those lying in bed, searching on your phone for the book that you want to read. And it was there. And so often you push those buttons or I push those buttons and then it lands and you're like, this isn't exactly what I want to read. Your book is exactly what I want to read. Exactly. Exactly. So thank Thank you you for saying that. Well, thank you for writing it. Can you please tell us a little bit about what that book is and what it does? Jeez, um, <laughs> what what it does? Hmm. Uh, hopefully, it uh, sparks people's imaginations and creativity. That's its primary intent. Um, what it is is really a it's a, it's a book about um, it kind of just about getting us going with the writing. You know, it's not so much a craft book. It's it's more of yeah. 
like how to get into the writing and stay in the writing and write from an embodied place. And it came out of a, a workshop that I was teaching at the Spirit Rock Meditation Center here in Northern California uh, called Writing is Math Awakening. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And uh, I've been a meditator for 20 years, 20 plus years. Um, and I've just found that I've never had writer's block in all that time. And I attribute that to being in stillness and silence. And, mm. you know, when in doubt, get out of your head and into the body and because everything's really there all the juicy stuff is there not like there's some good stuff in our heads right in our knowledge base but like the most interesting stuff i think the most visceral emotional yummy stuff is in our in our bodies and it's such an easy thing to forget and i forget it over and over again i've also been a meditator for about 10 plus years and it was um it was funny. So we were discussing recovery a little bit before I pushed record. And I, I, my last drink was almost five years ago and I had wanted to go to Spirit Rock. Thank you. Thank you. I'd wanted to go to Spirit Rock for one of the silent meditation retreats for a long time. And I'd always see that thing in there that, you know, you couldn't, (laughs) you were not encouraged to bring in you know, alcohol, any kind of, you know, mind altering substance. And so for so many years, I'd been like, well, I can't quite figure out how to get the wine in. So I'm going to mm-hmm. wait until I can figure out how to get the wine into Spirit Rock. <laughs> and it was one of the first things I realized when I stopped drinking was, oh, I can go to a silent meditation retreat now. Mm-hmm. And I've done a, few, a couple there now and they were just life changing. And yeah, yeah. I always attribute my also non-writer blockedness um, to the practice of meditation and how it keeps us, how meditation can help keep us in our bodies and being in our bodies can, can help keep us on the page. And I just want to quote you to you, which is always mm-hmm. a delight. I know um, you say in the book, all experience is spiritual experience. And for me, that holds, that especially holds true for the writing experience, all experience is spiritual experience. And for me, that especially holds true for the writing experience. How do you connect Sorry, I'm just throwing you questions you you uh, did not prepare you for. But how does the writing experience? How is that equivalent with spiritual experience for you? Well, it's just it it is the path, right? So it's it's been my path. My I've had these sort of parallel paths that are really one path: uh, the path of poetry and writing and creativity and art making and the path of meditation and mindfulness. And so um, it's, you know, when I say that all, it's all spiritual, like our conversation right here in this moment is is a spiritual yeah. experience. We don't think of it like that because it, it has a familiarity, right? It has an ordinariness to it. And I think we like, particularly in our culture, we like to like we want the fireworks, right? We want the the bells and whistles and flashy lights and of a spiritual experience. And uh, and I've had plenty of those. You know, there's something weird that happens in at least in my experience when I've been silent for many days on end, where things are released and where mm-hmm. energy starts to like you know come out of the body in crazy ways, and you just feel this totally non-externally produced euphoria. Yeah. And it's like, what is that? 
right? And it's it, it turns out that it's our natural state. <laughs> but we've been so like, you know, at least my experience, I've been so like, you know, gripping on for dear life because of whatever happened in my childhood, you know, the, the abuse, the addiction, the loss of mom, the, you know, being ignored by dad, what all that stuff that we experience as kids. And um, I say all that. So, I mean, some people, I guess, do have happy childhoods and and get well. It's weird. Yeah, my, my, and stuff. My but, wife is one of those who just has a normal family and a happy childhood and a, and a reasonable brain. And it's what odd. A trip. <laughs> what a I don't trip. understand it. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of, I think, I don't know if I answered your yeah. question, but. Yeah, you did. What is, so because this show is particularly about process and we won't mm, we won't process. just talk all about yeah because I love talking about process it's just my jam I'm always looking for the silver bullet which I know doesn't exist but I will want to talk about it until I die <laughs> yeah, um totally. what what is your daily process look like for your writing I'll leave it there simply. well uh so I I consider writing three things so writing reading and editing those are that's all writing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's that whole thing about all writing is rewriting. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a, I think we have to come to that as as creative writers, people, um, you know, because we, we think like, oh, writing is like the inspiration where I, I write some cool things down. I have this generative experience, but it turns out that that's like a small, in my experience, a very small part of the process. So, but when I'm in a project, like when I'm in that new project, generative, I'm just writing every day, you know, or at least, you know, five to six days a week. And preferably for, you know, depending on the schedule, you know, three to six hours a day, just churning out garbage, like just fucking it out (laughs) on the page, getting it on there, not caring what it looks like, what it's made out of, how it's inspired. I try and like turn off that critical mind and just go for it and make a mess. That's sort of my goal is to make a mess for could be six months, could be six years. I don't know. You know, it depends on how long it takes to get out that initial draft. Mm -hmm. Um, But right now I'm in editing mode with this gigantic, um, here, we can even, I can even show you. It's like monster. That's a ream of paper at least right there. Yeah. Wow. And so I'm, um, I'm going through, you know, paragraph by paragraph at this point, I've gone chapter by chapter. Mm -hmm. So now I'm down to paragraph by paragraph. And then eventually I'm going to have to go sentence by sentence. And there's a lot of sentences. In this book. <laughs> Eventually, I'll have to go word by word, I guess. I'm not really one of those word by word yeah. people. Although if I come across a boring verb, I'm going to I'm going to amp it up. <laughs> so, well, one, one thing I really love about your book, too, is how alive it is. It's not just talking about spiritual experiences in a, in a broad, general woo woo smoke in the air kind of way it's really boots on the ground and very visceral and you do 
bring the embodiment of a, of a human being onto the page as well as what it looks and feels like. And I just want to bring it back to what you said, you know, as it has been said, writing is rewriting, which I really believe editing and revision is my favorite part of the process, but you also oh, say I love that. Cause it's not my oh, favorite part. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't for a lot of people. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's all I want to live. And I, I find that the, the messiness of a first draft really kind of upsets my, my being, but the, but the, tearing things apart and then putting them back together is really pleasurable for me. But something you said in the book um, kind of jolted me too. You said reading is rereading. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I, I really love that. Yeah, because um, you know, I think as a writer, you have to be a good reader. You can't just be like a casual reader right. for pleasure. Um, my wife is an amazing reader and, you know, she reads tons of books and She's a good smart reader, but she's not reading and rereading and going over <laughs> paragraphs like the way I do or rereading books for two or three times. Like um, right now I'm reading a, an Anthony Doerr book for the second mm, time okay. um, just because I love his writing. I mean, he's like his ability to just like see something and give language to it, kind of like next level um, specificity is pretty amazing. So yeah, so I talk a lot about um, reading as a path to awakening too, because it's that's it's it's close, right? There's there's different layers and there's different steps and depths of of reading. When you become a writer, you get heavy into it and you reread and you reread and you reread. So, have you um like and forgive me, it's been a while since I read your book, although I was, I was doing a little bit of a quick skim last night of this morning for the things that I had highlighted and lots of stuff jumped out at me, but have you done the morning pages in that style? The, you, you talk about free writing and, um, you know, throwing stuff onto the page right after meditation, but have you ever done Julia Cameron's morning pages? I haven't. No. Um, I'm sort of more of the Natalie Goldberg school. Oh yeah. You know, um, where it's just, you know, don't make any fusses, just here's the prompt, set your clock and go. Yeah. And yeah. do not stop for any reason. You know, even if you're just writing the, 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 yes. the, 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 for like the whole 10 minutes, because once you pick that pen off the page or your fingers off the keys, you're analyzing, mm-hmm. you know, you're assessing, you're saying this is good, this is bad or not. But if you can really stick to the to the page and keep contact there. Um, something amazing happens in my experience. And then the, the experience of my students, you know, I see this over and over again, people who really give themselves to the process fully. Yeah. It's, it's pretty extraordinary. And the, the key thing is, is surprise, you know, surprising ourselves. And allowing that surprise. I think I get so rigid around control. Control is always going to be my number one character defect and uh, <laughs> allowing the surprise to bubble up and be on the page and accept mm-hmm. it for what it is. And um, I find that, I find that really exciting. What is your biggest challenge mm-hmm. when it comes to writing? Jeez, the biggest challenge is kind of just getting out of my own way, I think, and letting the, letting the story unfold, letting the, you know, letting that, um, that subconscious juicy internal stuff out. Um, 
I think I'm kind of like, I think control too, for me is I don't think of myself as a controlly person, but I think I am. <laughs> I think it's just one of the things I'm starting to realize. Later in life. I like. It's annoying, know, isn't have, it? It really I hate, is. I hate knowing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible because I've never thought of myself that way. Right. And I'm kind of a control freak when it comes to certain things. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I think writing is that, like, I want it to have a certain like intellectuality or something or a certain tonality to it. And it's yeah. much more interesting when I just let it go. Yeah. And, um, and run. so that's a challenge, you know, I, I find the whole battle, the internal battle around uh, publication. I find that really challenging. How so? You know, this, well, it's that sort of like, okay, I'm putting all this energy into this thing and there's no certainty that it's ever going to see the light of day. And that's kind of, that's incredibly devastating and disheartening in a lot of ways for me. And I, you know, I still just struggle around like, you know, I want readers, you know, that's not why I write. I write to discover who I am and to connect with the world and, and deepen relationship, I think, with the with the universe. And I'm not just doing it for myself. You know, I love it's very satisfying to have readers and not like in an egoic way, but but really in a um, in a conversational way, mm-hmm. you know, and just uh, it's just really lovely to to know that people are are out there and and listening and also participating and because this is a book, you know, Writing about the Awakening is a book of engagement. It's not something that you passively read. Like you got to get in there and you're invited on pretty much every other page to try something, yeah. you know, and then there's more formal exercises at the end of each chapter. But it's like, you know, let yourself go here, explore here, get yourself on the page. And I want you to, I want the reader to be challenged both creatively and also spiritually in the best way. Um, so those are, go ahead. And you, and you pull that off, you pull that off beautifully because I am an example of kind of the best reader for this. Nobody told me about your book. It was because I was actually, you know, using Amazon or wherever I got it from as a search engine, looking for what I wanted Mm -hmm. and I found it and it, and, and so, yes, you had, you know, the, the path to publication is always fraught. And then once the book is out in the world, who's going to find it and read it. But because, you know, we have different tools than we used to have, I was able to find your book. And then when your publicist emailed me, I was like, yes, please. I want to talk to that guy about this book. And, and that, I mean, and I just think that's kind of beautiful that that is possible now. Yeah. And you don't know, I have a a very dear friend who wrote a memoir that did okay here in, in the States, um, Melissa Sestaro and and then she you know and then it had its thing you know like books do you know you, you get your sort of it might be a three-month window a six-month window if you're lucky and then yeah they're one on to the next window. thing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> who knows <laughs> and um and then she sort of like went on to the next thing and you know like three years later four years later she gets an email from like Penguin Random House Canada that wants to publish the book in Canada. 
Interesting. And, That's not common. Yeah. No, I know. I never heard that. No. So they public they ended up publishing her her book in Canada and it went on to become like a bestseller in Toronto and she was on all these TV shows. And oh my god. Like, yeah, this whole thing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That is really so, cool. And it I mean, it surprised her to no end. She's just a very quiet, like mellow. And this was her first book. So it was. Do you know the title of it off the top of your head? I can. Yeah, it's called here in the states. It was called Pieces of My Mother, Mm. and uh, so it's just it was a memoir about her relationship with her mother, who left pretty much abandoned the family at a young age. Memoir is my favorite genre, so I will be picking that up. Yeah, no, and she's a she's terrific writer and just an awesome human being, and she's since moved to Canada and. And is getting an MFA, I think. That's awesome. She's like, I will yeah. go where I am wanted. That's right. <laughs> I know. I just, I have this fantasy of, of like, um, I don't know, you know, in another country, like when you come up against it in, in the States, it's like, well, maybe, maybe the Ireland will have me, or maybe I could be big in Japan. Right. Or I, like early on, like 25 years ago, when I first started publishing poetry, um, I had some poems translated into Romanian. All things, it's like the most random thing. And uh, someone had found my my work and was interested in making it available for a Romanian audience. Wow! And you could say I was I was I'm big in Romania. I'm big in <laughs> Romania. Yeah, I don't know how big. You know, it could be like. <laughs> two people big, but that's big for poetry. (laughs) For poetry, yes, yes, absolutely. All right. Will you share a craft tip of any sort with us? You know, I was thinking about that and there's so many in the book um, that I thought like what might be most helpful to to listeners, general listeners, might be just the fact of, um, you know, letting that first draft be bad mm-hmm. i just think that's the most epic advice yes. for yes. any writer um and it, it's the most liberating i found it to be the most liberating for me and i have to like keep reminding myself over and over even though i've been writing for 25 years like oh right like this first thing does it can be it total still has garbage. to be bad yeah there yeah. was a and i often admit this on the show but there was a there was a secret part of my brain that up until about five or six years ago kind of thought that maybe someday I'd figure out how not to do that. Like I'd, yeah. I'd be the one who could figure it out. Like, yeah, it's supposed to be garbage, but, but not me, not my first draft someday I'll, but we don't. It, I mean, I remember hearing that even from Liz Gilbert, like yeah. saying how she didn't know whether she could ever write another good book. Yeah. And that the pressure. Yeah. And just letting it, um, letting it be what's, I mean, I still think, I still have this fantasy or dream that uh, the the other writers, you know, like the Liz Gilberts or, yeah. you know, the Mary Carter, whoever it is, you know, their first pages, their early pages are amazing. You know, you see them published <laughs> right, and you're right. like, oh, yeah, she started with this. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was her first draft. Maybe they corrected some spelling errors, but that's, you know, that's about it. Yeah. yeah. No, that didn't. Which happen. is just totally not true. You yeah, know, it's just not true. We just have to. And sometimes, you know, you have a good writing day and you get some clarity of mind and you're on a you can be on a tear and some good stuff comes. Absolutely. But that's not the 
the general MO in my experience. And that's where it kind of comes back, I think, to likening it to the meditative experiences being okay. Um, I have a good friend who, when she talks about meditation, she calls it sitting in the junkyard. And just <laughs> yeah. being okay. Isn't that's that great? Good. I like that. that is <laughs> yeah. good. Sitting yeah. in the junkyard. And that's what we do on our first drafts too. And I love that the two practices are so similar in that. Could you speak to that? Because you do such a good job of it in the book too, of, of telling the reader that it is okay to be exactly who you are in this moment as a writer and as a meditator. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, because I think they are similar in that, um, that you have to sit in that junkyard. <laughs> That's so great. Um, because, um, you know, there is so much conditioning constantly coming at us. And to keep reminding ourselves, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally enough in this yeah. moment. I'm spiritually enough. I'm creatively enough. Um, even if I'm having a bad day, even if I'm having an off day, I, and also that I know that if I stay with it, if I stay consistent, if I keep showing up day after day, that there's going to be a good day. You know, there's going to be a good line. There's going to be a good phrase. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. And I just, what I've noticed over time is that the more I stay with it, the more I'm devoted to the process, the more excited and the more curious I get it. Like, and, and kind of marvel really at like, wow, this thing came from like absolutely nothing, like a total mess, garbled, junky mess into something that is has clarity to it that has energy to it that has momentum to it that has um a storyline or an image that someone can get lost in and that's exciting you know and and once you can grab onto that possibility um you're off and running really oh that is really really beautiful thank you for that would you like to share a mortifying moment you have survived <laughs> as a writer <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's so many. Geez. Um, well, if you want a real, if you want to read a mortifying moment, you can read my memoir. Um, Tell us the name of it again. So, uh, Beamish Boy. Beamish Boy. It's yeah. next on my list because I love your writing, and I'd forgotten that yeah. that I that I had wanted to read that. So I will yeah. tell us about that. So, um, but no, I do have a story about. Uh, yes, I please. was I was giving a reading in in San Francisco, and it was for this fantastic uh, journal, uh, literary journal that was published in, in Paris. And um, and they published uh, English, people writing in English from all over the world, mostly poets. And uh, they're in San Francisco to do this reading. And they had this very famous beat uh, icon who was on the bill. So I got to read with this beat icon and some other people. And I was so excited. And uh, there I am at the podium giving my reading. And I'm always very sensitive to the audience. And I do not like to ramble on, especially in group readings. It makes me crazy when people do that. So I thought I was being very conscious and aware. And I was almost done with my second or maybe it was my third poem. And I see the beat icon <laughs> in the back going like this. <laughs> so for people listening, he's giving the cutoff yeah. at the neck yeah. quit motion. Quit. And I was just like, oh no. 
I couldn't really figure out what was happening. You know, I was just sort of like, really? That's epic. Oh my God. Okay. I'll, I'll move this along. My stomach is in my throat just hearing that. (laughs) So great. But, um, there was redemption because right is um, we were all kind of spilling out at the end of the reading, kind of chitter chattering on the sidewalk. Um, said beat icon came up to me and was like, "Hey, I really dug your butterfly poem." And I was like, "Ah, you, you can <laughs> tell me to quit anytime." <laughs> like I was fine after that. It's like a totally amazing moment. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. But I would have died. I would have absolutely. Yeah, died totally. To like, see the... I was just so like I could not figure out was I going on forever. I didn't feel like it, but maybe I was. But yeah, That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Said beat icon was known for his ego. As well and opinions opinions for sure what is the kindest thing that's that anyone has ever done for you in your writing career you know what first came up for me was um danny shapiro willing to write a blurb for for this book i've been a big fan of hers forever and she just you know she's just a star in in my mind and uh She's become somewhat of, of, of a friend over the, mm. the last few years. And that I did was just awesome that she said yes to that. And then she wrote this like completely epic blurb called me like erudite or something, which <laughs> what? <laughs> I do not consider myself erudite, but I love that. I'll take oh, it. Yes. And she's amazing. Danny. Yeah. Especially from her. She's been on the show. Wait, was she on, she was either on a show or she came and spoke when I was speaking at Stanford um, in my class, but I can't remember which one. But yeah, she's an icon. That's beautiful. What is the kindest yeah. thing you've ever done for yourself as a writer? Oh my God, for myself? I think it's given myself permission and time mm. to write. You know, just made, even when it seemed impossible, mm. I made time for the writing. Like Where did I've, you find it? Early in the morning, getting up like an hour earlier when I didn't want to. Um, you know, there was a, a period uh, many years ago, several years ago, my wife and I had this um, home care agency and it was like a big business and we had like tons of employees and multiple offices and blah, blah, blah. And there was just no time to do anything. And I was writing Beamish Boy during that time. And and then I was working on my first novel, my warm-up novel, as I call it. <laughs> and uh that will probably remain forever unpublished. But um, <laughs> and also I started writing as a path to awakening. But and wow. it seemed impossible just because, like, you know, we had an hour and a half commute yeah. two ways, and like just had to be at the office all the time, blah, 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 blah. But I made time. You know, and I I carved out little bits of time on the weekends and uh, a little bit early in the morning, I would get up and just sneak in 20 minutes here or a half hour here and somehow got it done, you know. And that was you being so kind to yourself and trusting yourself that that is what you needed to do. Yep. Even when those around you were like, you're supposed to be doing X, Y, Z, right? So... But because you did that, now we are connected and we're having this conversation years later because of it. That is so cool. That's a beautiful thing. 
Speaking of books, what is the best book that you've read recently? And why do you, why did you love it? Oh, geez. Well, I have just like completely um, blessed to be able to go to Greece recently. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I read um, the, the um, Colossus of Marusi, which is this Henry Miller book about mm. um, his travels in Greece on the cusp of World War II. And, and I just really wanted to, to, you know, I read about that book and it just, oh my God, it was just such an amazing book to read in that place, you know, cause wow. I was like actually going to some of those places and it was, it's just such an amazing book because um, I mean, whether you like Henry Miller or not, I mean, he's kind of a spermy dude writer of that era, you know, yeah. but um, he's a fantastic writer. You just yeah. can't deny it. And um, the, the, just like the, the spiritual depth of, of the landscape there, he really gets it. Like he mm. just, he's able to articulate it in a way that's like, yeah, that's exactly it. He's super hyperbolic and just over the top. And he's, you know, the Colossus of Marusi is this, is um, Katsambalas, this poet, um, who he meets in Athens, who's just this amazing storyteller. And he's the Colossus. And oh, wow. he, because he's such an amazing storyteller and he's he's just, his whole thing, his passion for life is just infectious and explosive. And so I just, I love that. I love that book. And I'm reading Kim Adonizio's latest book of poems. Oh, she's so um, great. Which is called Now We're Getting Somewhere. Oh, <laughs> And she, can I just read her first um, two lines? Yes. First two lines of the book. Uh, This is uh, her first poem in this book called Night in the Castle. I'm not sure what to do about that scorpion twitching on the wall. Maybe I should slam it with this book of terrible poetry. (laughs) Or or just read aloud to it until it dies of a histrionic (laughs) metaphor. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I'm totally sold. She's so good. I was on a panel once with her and I can't even remember what conference it was at, but I could barely speak. I was so starstruck. You know, I am a, I am a work a day serviceable prose kind of gal. And, and I mean, and, and so is she, um, but wow, that's wonderful. I'll have to get that. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. So I love this book. I've been reading it and sharing it with my students and yeah, uh, it's a good one. Uh, tell us about your most recent work. Where can we find you all of that? You know, it's funny. I don't have anything happening really now. Do you have and, a newsletter that people can sign up for? This is something I don't yes, even know. I, I do have been a newsletter. Your, I'm going to go um, sign up for I mean, myself. there's Where always the that? book. So, and it, again, it is called Writing as a Path, as to, a path Awakening. to Awakening. So yeah, um, spread the world, uh, spread the world, spread the word <laughs> around, around the world. The world. Yes. <laughs> It's and, uh, so good, Albert. It's so good. There are two season. books that I, I don't, have you read um, Charlie Jane Anders new book on writing? It's not even that new. Mm-hmm. It's about six months old. Um, Never say you won't survive. I think it, I think it's called. But oh, that sounds great. It's so good. And she's, you know, very local and, and amazing. Um, And your book, like those two books have really just gone to the top of my, what do I need to read when I know that I will never write another book? 
which is, you know, every, every other Tuesday or something like that. So people, people have to get your book and they must sign up for your email newsletter, which is what I'm going to do. Where can they do that? Yeah. So at albertflynndsilver.com, F-L-Y-N-N-D-Silver, D-Silver, like the metal.com. And uh, yeah, and new things will come about. I'm just sort of transitioning out of a whole teaching thing that I was doing for the last two and a half years, almost three years. And something new is on the horizon. I don't know what, but if you sign up on the newsletter, then we'll be the the first first to to find out. That's fantastic. Albert, this was such a treat and a delight to talk to you. And thank you for making my whole week. I really appreciate it. No, this was so fun. Great to meet you and connect. And thank you for the opportunity. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.